Today is March 31st, nearly a full month before the NFL draft opens, and we have already filled a $1 million best ball tournament on Underdog Fantasy. You degenerates could not even wait until April to chase the 200k top prize, also known as 0.1 Koreans. Truly, truly degenerate stuff. This is ADP Chasing. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is why I'm hot. Anita Hanjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. <laughs> Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you Tony? You can't handle the heat. Yeah, it looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> Davis, Pat, how are we? How are we doing? What's up? Doing good. Doing good. It is. It is. I mean, as someone who's like writing about these rookies still, like to not even have the ADP to reference anymore, I was trying to get best ball recommendations on these rookies, and you filled the tournament. So now I have to like parse superflex data. I don't want to do that. How am I going to compare? I'm like, he's this price on underdog, this price on FFPC. That was easy. Now I have to be like, is superflex ADP is whatever. Yeah, it's a it's a mess. Yeah, it was a you rug pull sick. from uh, from Underdog pulling the uh, the ADP off the website. I I noticed that too. Well, I mean, it is stale, right? Like it is no. I although I guess it isn't quite right because there's still a. I mean, are there still cash the games you can do? I well, guess, there's still a bunch of people with with slow draft notifications coming in, including our good friend Pete Overzet. The, the call oh, is true. truly coming from inside the house on that. I mean that that is really next level stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Um, have you guys done any of the the superflex stuff yet? I'd like not yet. My mind's not quite ready to to go there yet. See, um, I'm I'm going to because my gut instinct is that people are going to be far worse at that than they are. Like even that's the, the 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 people. Like I think something I've realized about specifically the underdog community. I think this is maybe a little bit less the FFPC grinders, but these people who are filling the big board on March 31st. These are people who's you know, fantasy football is just their hobby. Like they don't really play video games. They're not like, it's like drafting is like their, you know, that what, what, you know, their quiet time, their personal mm-hmm. time or whatever. And so much of that comes because they really enjoy the content. Like that's just, and it just because the season isn't going on doesn't mean they want to change their personal time preferences, but there's no content out there right now for Superflex. We're having a hard time doing it. Karain's just saying like, I, you know, I'm basically just, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to reference. My guess is that the first week of these drafts is going to mostly just be people guessing, right? It's mostly just people guessing. And I've got a ton of experience in Superflex because all these dynasty leagues we play in mm-hmm. are Superflex. And I played in, I did all the Superflex stuff on Underdog last year. So I'm actually probably going to be piling into this early. So one thing with this is that there's one less wide receiver spot. So you you still have a flex spot, but you only have two wide receiver spots to fill. And then you have the super flex. You obviously want to start a quarterback in the super flex. So Mm -hmm. it is less wide receiver heavy. And this has been an extremely wide receiver thirsty offseason. Sam, I know you were thinking, man, this is already too wide receiver heavy in the big board. If ADP is anything like it was in the regular big board, wide receivers are probably going to go too high. It does create a situation where you could get like a little locked out of your wide receiver three, maybe if you're trying to play wide receiver in the flex or you Mm -hmm. have really weak wide receiver two options. But 
it's like not as dire because the position you just have to start less guys. So yeah, is this is this the running back draft you've been waiting for, Sam? <laughs> I mean, my instinct actually going into it, and I haven't done any of these drafts, so I gotta look and do it more. But I would think like generally in superflex, especially like this best ball superflex uh format, I think I'd probably be like more heavy on QBs than the average drafter, especially in this landscape. Like uh right now, there's what like six, seven NFL teams where we don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be like, good luck guessing the Bucks. Good luck guessing the Colts. Good luck guessing. I mean, even the Patriots, we saw the Mac Jones news now, like there's a lot, I mean, Washington, I, I can keep naming teams where there's a ton of uncertainty. So I think that like replacement level quarterback, because now obviously in, you know, what's essentially a two quarterback league, the replacement level quarterback is not the QB 12 every week. It's the QB 24. And that QB 24 is like, you're starting to make guesses of which guys are even yeah. starting at that point. So the replacement level is so low that I'd be inclined just like, Hey, there's 24, 25 starting quarterbacks out there that we can reasonably project to, to start in week 17. Now, like I want to make sure I get two of those guys. Like I'm, I'm probably going to take the conservative approach of just like, give me, give me two of those quarterbacks that I know are going to be starting in the playoffs. That way I can stack them up. Um, and I'll, I'll figure out, you know, the other, other positions after that. Um, so that would, that would be my approach, but looking uh, at the rankings, like Bryce Young has an ADP of 72, CJ Stroud's at 89, Kenny Pickett's at 111, Matthew Stafford's at 98. I would say all those guys are pretty strong bets to be not just starting week 17, but starting all season. So that would like, that would have been my first thought too, because quarterback really dried up in the big board. So I'd assume it would, there wouldn't be quarterback values, but I mean, yeah, if you can, I agree. I have looked at ADPs. Yeah. If you can wait that far and still get those guys, like you don't have to grab two right away, but um, I'd imagine that they should be going higher than that. Like I, I guess I would be drafting now and just like grabbing those values while you can. Cause I don't think they should be that cheap. Um, my, Davis, my, instinct, the... my instinct was to go after the uncertainty. My, my instinct mm. was, was you definitely want an anchor quarterback but what do you think is going to be the scoring distribution between taking Derek Carr, who I think is the quarter, was the quarterback 18 in the big board, versus taking, uh, you know, let's say Baker, Andy Dalton, and, you know, pick your pick Jacoby Brissett or whatever. Like, I would guess taking, and, and obviously you're getting a huge discrepancy because Derek Carr is going to be, what, a fifth round pick? Whereas I actually don't think. Baker Mayfield and Sam Howell and Jacoby, like just whatever these, these total scrubs, I would, those are the type of guys who don't really see their ADP mess with too much. I also just, while we're talking about this funniest thing I noticed, absolute funniest thing I noticed in Superflex ADP last year was Taysom Hill, who was still just only tight end eligible, went about 40 spots higher in the <laughs> Superflex drafts last year, which just, there's no rhyme or reason for it. I just remember thinking it, that is, so obvious an example of the human brain just like making a connection and not being able to unmake it That's for no so reason. <laughs> it's so funny you say that because actually I played in a home league for a while with with my uh, high school buddies, and this was maybe two or three two or three years ago. Um, someone basically made that same mistake where they started Taysom Hill in the superflex. He was not starting quarterback this week. That was this was a week where he was like still playing his 
gadgy role play thing and their brain just went like oh super flex i'm supposed to put a quarterback in there and they they started Taysom hill over like good wide receivers that they easily could have put in that spot uh because they had quarterbacks on by so i see how the um <laughs> the mental trip up can happen there uh with Taysom I- Hill. it's kind of funny I also so Anthony Richardson here has an ADP of 149, so which can't like cannot be right in Superflex. Right. So I wonder if yeah. there's a this ADP might be like a little shaky as we're getting out out of the gates here. Like that, my guess is that's like his big board ADP. Yeah. So, so Neil, ADP hasn't adjusted yet. Yeah. So yeah, it has somewhat wrong. adjusted. I mean, Josh Allen now has the first overall ADP. Patrick Holmes has the second overall ADP. So there's some adjustments, but it's clearly not fully reliable. So I guess we should be careful about referencing these later ADPs. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay, let's let's jump into the Trey Trey Lance debate. Um I don't know, this feels like maybe the third week of the offseason already where Trey Lance is the most popular topic of I think we've debated so. him like three or four episodes. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy well, to do it. Look, when you guys stop being wrong, we can stop talking about it. Hey, this is a closing line value show and I I got the closing line value here, guys. I actually did draft a couple shares of Trey Lance at the cheapest prices in the whole big board. Okay, so closing <laughs> line value victory lap. I let's, mean, uh, we do we do respect CLV here on on the program. That's true. Let's have the let's have the Trey Lance argument from the framing of like I don't want to talk about like real real football. I think Davis and Gretch, you did a great job um, talking about that in your podcast uh, with Gretch that I listened to this morning. Like I want to talk about it from the angle of the show, like ADP, is he a good value? That sort of stuff. Not like what should the 49ers be doing? I think that's a whole different, different topic. So I think, so I think it's, I think it's related though. Right. So I think I, because, because this is what, this is what we do. And this is, I mean, this is true in like global politics, like everything in life. This is what we do is once the tide turns on something, once something is labeled good or bad, it's just that for a while. Right. And now we have just decided Trey Lance is bad. Trey Lance on his own merits cannot possibly be an NFL starting quarterback. The only way in which Trey Lance can start games is if Sam Darnold, uh, you know, comes down with like malaria and Brock Purdy suffers uh, a reoccurrence of this elbow injury. There's no, uh, there's, there's the market is assigning a very low probability of Trey Lance just playing well enough in training camp and in but preseason not. and whatnot. They're yeah, not. I would I would argue they're not. Round pick, the whole ninth ninth round pick for most of the big board. They're not doing that. They were signing a high probability that he would be starting. So I think you I think so you're correct there. But I think now that literally just this one Shanahan and John Lynch quote of Purdy being the leader in the clubhouse, I think is when we've seen the screws turn on that. Sure. And yeah. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't, one, I just don't buy it. And then the other thing, this other element of the argument, which we were talking about this via DM that I, I think is my guess. And my guess is, is the data will end up bearing this out is Corinne. You were saying like, you got to be right a bunch of times and there's not necessarily that much value, even in getting it one or two parts of that. Right. So I think that the value now of getting a high upside rushing quarterback right especially because we've all we've seen this wide receiver avalanche it's like it's not even an avalanche it's just a mountain right and we're all just at the buried at the bottom of it you know like these guys going wide receiver 50 in the eighth round or whatever like it's it's really insane with the quarterbacks getting pushed up so far 
up the board, which we've talked about on this show in every iteration of it. Like it's the mo- it's the highest and most efficient the quarterback market has ever been. The value in hitting a guy in the tenth round, even and and now even later than that, probably who can like actually maybe be the third highest scoring quarterback in fantasy football. I actually do think is pretty pretty valuable. Maybe more for advance rates than winning the stupid million dollars, but still pretty valuable. It's definitely valuable, but so so what I was saying was like I feel like I have to be right like three times with Lance. I need him to be good. I need Brock Purdy to not be healthy to start the year because I do think given these comments like he's at real risk of of not being the starter to open things and that makes it way harder for him to be the starter in the fantasy playoffs. I also need the 49ers Assuming the first two things are right, I need the 49ers to then win enough games so that Shanahan doesn't start to get restless because they do have Darnold and Purdy will be probably healthy at some point this year. So like Lance could be like fine and they're losing and they could they could make a quarterback switch. So those hitting that parlay. If you do, I mean, certainly he's certainly he would pay off his ADP. I'm not saying he wouldn't, but I do feel like. Anthony Richardson was still going in the 13th round to close this big board out. What do I need there? Like for, I I need enough quarterback points to get by without him to start the year. And I need him not to be like God awful. Because if he's not God awful as, I guess the other thing I think is that he doesn't fall dramatically in the draft. But there's still like, articles right now are like, what are the, what are the Panthers going to decide between Stroud, Young, and Richardson? Like he's still right, in discussion for the first pick. I don't, I think Levis is the guy that might have that big Malik Willis type slide or something. I don't think that's really all that realistic for Richardson now. So it's like, if he's not God awful and I don't need him right out of the gate, then I have this guy who I think gives me just as good of a, of a bet with, you know, as Lance, if they're both starting in week 17, like I, I don't necessarily prefer Lance. I guess I, I guess I would just because of the weapons, but it's like the, the risk that you're taking on for Lance of not even like starting that many games this year. Um, and his risk is back weighted so that he, the games he's least likely to start are the fantasy playoffs. I just, I just really didn't like the price ninth, 10th versus Richardson, even at his most expensive, even when I was like reaching for him, because I was like, I did an Indianapolis thing or I really wanted some upside of quarterback. Even when I was reaching, I was taking him in the 12th. So I just felt like he was poorly priced in the big board. I'll come back and get some exposure later if if yeah. I if my feelings change. I feel I feel very similar to you, Pat. So I won't rehash it too much. But yeah, like if he if he fell to the Richardson, like sort of the rookie quarterback tier right now, which is you know Richardson, Bryce Young, Stroud, all going around pick one fifty, which he, he did right, around, right at the end. He yeah, did exactly. Yeah. He, he took if a couple he was there, there. I would have been drafting him one hundred percent, but. He was going, you know, above guys like Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Kyler Murray. I mean, you can certainly argue Lance has more upside than some of those guys, but I think each of those guys still has pretty good, like, individual week upside. You know how to stack those guys up, and they're, like, pretty much guaranteed to be starting if healthy down the stretch. So, for me, it was just, like, I don't know, like, maybe, maybe like, sometimes you win this bet with Lance, but, like, it doesn't feel worth the risk especially i don't know th- there's also a lot of narrative like ah his his price could increase there's going to be good reports about him all offseason i'm like when like have we been getting good reports about trey lance the past couple of years like i think it's just as likely we'll get bad negative reports and 
that's what we've got. Like whether, whether you want think these reports mean anything or not, like I think it was always in play that some kind of bad news would come out of, about Lance and he could, he could fall. So uh, for me, it was just a price thing, but you know, if he falls to one forty ish, I certainly. Will, well, I think you, that. you got to balance the probability of Trey Lance skill reports one way or the other versus an August 1st article that Brock Purdy had a setback in his rehab and actually isn't going to start throwing. And look, right. All due respect. Sam Darnold is not starting a fucking game for the 49ers. Like, like maybe, like, if Lance gets hurt. I think it's hurt, possible, dude. I think I it's think definitely is. possible. You guys, you guys have lost. You guys have lost your minds, dude. Sam Darnold is bad. Sam he's just not, he's, he is, he is more, he's better than Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard, right? He, I, I'll agree. And I think one of the lessons Shanahan has learned is, like, pretty important for the style of of play we have is just to have three quarterbacks because for whatever reason, we are the cursed monkey pot team and our quarterbacks keep getting hurt. And just having three guys who were like viable and not having to use Josh Johnson in an NFL game. So I can see that. And Gretch made a point that I thought was pretty good, which is they probably told Sam Darnold in negotiations, like we'll give you a shot, you know, so he can't, they these guys can't come out and be like, yeah, uh-huh. we signed Arnold to be our third quarterback, which I didn't even think about. Uh, so I, I think I think that definitely plays into it. I just me personally, I'm not expending any mental energy on Sam Darnold. I'm, and if that so, and if, if if I need to, whatever. I, I just think like he's not. It's not like they have no one there. Like it's not it's not ideal for Lance in the events where he's like where he's not playing well. Like there was this before they signed Darnold, and if Purdy was like definitely definitely not going to be healthy at any point except maybe the very very tail end of the season, then you had this situation where it's like, well, it's Lance or nobody. Like they they have to play Lance even if he's basically bombing and he's just only able to rush. They're just going to have to fight through it. I don't think that's the case. I think they Darnold is an option to to move away from a really struggling Lance. I think his he needs to show better than just like you know, hey, you, you can run, yeah. but God, God, I wish you could pass. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I certainly have moved away from being like a pure Trey Lance truther, but I think the same point that we've all been making for the last two years about Trey Lance is true, which is that. He just is a very unique way to break the scoring system because him being in like him being under center just means he has to run. Like I, I remember Kareem, you and I, you were talking, uh, you, you were doing, you were working through projections last year, and you and Gretch were talking about on ship chasing, and you were both like, I mean, we had to tamp this dude down based off what we expected because right. the first run through is like this guy could run for twelve hundred yards, which I still think is is within the range and. I, I also wanted to make this point on Anthony Richardson, which Crane, we actually talked about this like a month ago. As a rookie, he really might be more of a floor guy than a ceiling guy. Cause I I especially if he goes to Carolina. Now, if he somehow gets to Detroit or Seattle, I think this changes. But especially if he gets taken first by Carolina, I just am not expecting him to be that successful passing the ball. I think it's gonna be a lot like like Lamar, like Lamar was for that Ravens team when he came in. For Flacco, he was not. Yeah, but what if Lamar out. weighed two hundred and forty-four yeah. pounds and had a perfect ten RAS score? And dude, Kyle, Kyle Dvorak was comping him 
athletically to Derrick Henry, and it and it works as a comp. And no, it's like I, you don't got to sell me on the Anthony Richardson, the player. You, you well, once well, look, you made I the mean, sale, stop rush, rushing touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. That's why I don't think. Yeah, I I agree with you about his passing, but like, you know, maybe he's a maybe he's sort of a floor play, but I don't know. I mean, he can he can rush for touchdowns. He can be kind of Cam Newtony, you know that. Yeah, two hundred and forty-four pounds. Cam, New- Cam Newton is the is the 99th percentile. Although I do just want it on the record, like whatever. I don't even know what Lamar weighs. Whatever he weighs, he's the best rushing quarterback since Vic. He's so so good at it. Like there's there's more to rushing than just being a big strong streak. Sure. And and Lamar is so good at it. Sure, you know. But I'm I saying? think in terms of like fantasy points scored on the grounds, having the ability to be a goal line back as as a quarterback is uh, like unreal. You can't beat that. So yeah, I agree that Lamar is like a better pure rusher, but uh, I think Richardson would be more dangerous around the goal line just yeah. given his size. Who do we also who Lamar? We I mean, Lamar's rookie year, he was above twenty point fantasy points per game in like the games he started. I think like that's pretty good upside. And Josh Allen, I mean, Josh Allen wasn't great, but he was still I think like seventeen points a game something like that i don't know like i think i think there are ceiling ceiling outcomes with like a rushing quarterback uh yeah obviously obviously like anthony richard like he could just go nuts right and like he you know he just did his pro day yesterday and he was like when he like threw the ball off the roof of the dome like he's he's insane he's so good who's more likely to be going in the eighth round of drafts in the summer Richardson, a hundred billion percent, because if he gets taken by a team that doesn't have an obvious veteran roadblock, or if the coaches just say we're starting him, we're going to get the same, you know, uh, these, these, uh, these streamers to not be named are going to be jammed. I mean, like he could be a six round pick. Anthony Richardson yeah, could be that I completely agree. And that's why to me, it was just like, it was kind of a no brainer yeah. just to pass land, pass on Lance. And this is like one of those things where it's like you got to be like really in the weeds on best ball. But I assume if you're watching this, it is March 31st. <laughs> it's a Friday afternoon. You probably are. But like, did it the ninth and the tenth round? I mean, the ninth round, like Zach Charbonnet was there. You know, like there's or like it was sort the of big last opportunity ball. cost. Yeah, it it, was, it felt like even though it's only that like the ninth first the thirteenth, like is that really a big difference? Like yes, yeah, yes, yeah. It, no, it's, it's huge. huge. It's a huge difference. Yeah, but, like, I mean, thirteenth to eighteenth is like almost completely flat right now i think like you can make some arguments here or there but there was a huge drop off i think in the, that range yeah so that's why i was like once it got to the 13th even the late 12th i'm like i don't really care about any of these guys i'm taking richardson if lance was there all the time and i had like a 49er setup i would have taken him there too it's just he rarely was and you know honestly i feel like the two are very comparable bets and in some ways I prefer Richardson. I think you're you're definitely taking on some risk of like if he falls in the draft, if, even if he falls a little in the draft and goes to Seattle or Detroit, I think the bet becomes very different because now it's like a pure fantasy playoffs play and there's a chance he doesn't even play at all. It could be a full redshirt year. But if he goes to the Colts at four, he's going to probably like I think he has upside to be like a sixth round pick. Gardner so, Minshew yeah. would be like the most hated man in America if, <laughs> if, if, if Anthony Richardson goes to the Colts and they're like, and the yeah. coaches are like, yeah, we got to start the vet, bro. Like when, Minshew yeah. went from being this like meme folk hero to being like, everyone's so sick of his shit. But the thing about 
so Minshew would have some advantages there because he's familiar with the offense. But you are you are getting the guy who is just the OC for Jalen Hurts. So it's like, would he really be afraid of of starting Anthony Richardson? You know, not that he would start Week One necessarily, but I think you'd get a lot of games out of him. Was was Steichen the OC in twenty twenty one as well, or twenty twenty? Uh, well, it wouldn't have been in twenty twenty right? because that wasn't Peterson there in twenty twenty. So. Yeah, I'm just thinking back about the like. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so that would because yeah. they 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 kept Jalen Hurts on the bench way after the expiration date on Wentz had passed. So I was just trying to make that connection. That was Peterson's move. The Colts' offense, if they add Richardson, is just like so many freak huge athlete guys. Like, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, Alec, Jonathan Pierce, Taylor, and Anthony Richardson at the Jelani Woods, like Mo yeah, Ali, push, push up, con- push up contest between Jelani Woods and Anthony Richardson. <laughs> I have a lot of Jelani Woods because I have a lot of Anthony Richardson, and I I was yeah. envisioning just a lot of this, a lot of like fake run, just little boop. The the pop pass. I mean, that's a such a University pass. of Florida. That's such a University of Florida play too. Make it happen. Let's um just quickly it. on the I think on the land stuff we should like talk the other side of it quickly with with Purdy because I think people have questions on that. He's he's one of the biggest risers this week. Big big surprise. Um, Sam, let's talk about Brock Purdy. I want to talk Purdy. I gotta get a little pro Purdy propaganda out there. Uh you know I came on I came on ship chasing in the playoffs and tatted him <laughs> as the best play in the entire <laughs> playoff challenge. With, with this chart I haven't seen this chart before. Is this a special Four, Purdy yeah, chart? I, I snuck this one in there. Um but for the record that that take was right. If Brock Purdy didn't get hurt I was gonna win that tournament. Um just wanna get that on the record. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so I, th- I I hear a lot like, oh, Brock Purdy, he's just like a Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard, whatever. I think, sure, kind kind of fair. But if you look at the last five years, like, and and look at the numbers, like PFF pass grade, yards per attempt, like even looking at sack rate, Purdy is like a significant tier above the, the Beathard Mullins type. Like w- whether he is much better than Jimmy G, I think that's certainly up for debate. I think statistically they profile pretty similarly if you look at you know epa per play uh completion completion percentage over expected jimmy g and purdy were like quite similar last year their grades pretty similar so i'll i'll give the the argument that like maybe purdy and jimmy g are are kind of the same guy but i don't know he he was good last year and like again again with lance we have 102 pass attempts to judge him on like that is not a big enough sample size but it is a sample size it's a a hundred attempts in the nfl they have been disastrous from a passing um from a passing you know uh side so perspective yeah i want to just make that make that point that like i think we can like look at this data like i hear a lot of people say oh it's way too small of a sample size we can't judge these guys I'll, i'll grant that but like you should at least acknowledge like what we've seen so far and it's two I won't. very different stories. <laughs> well, I think isn't the argument that um, I think the Rotor guys were saying this uh, that like you can see a little stretch with like a Nick Mullins type where they're fine, and then it comes crashing back down to earth. And we never got the you know chance to see whether or not Purdy would have come crashing back down to earth. So it's that he could Fair. be you know kind of doing a Jimmy Garoppolo impression which he did very well, that then gets exposed because, you know, he ultimately is this seventh-round talent. So that that's kind of the – I think Purdy's, like, floor, if he wasn't playing like this, is still 
pretty low just given that he's he was literally you know the last pick in the draft yeah and the the elbow injury throws a whole wrench in it like i think i've heard people argue that could be like a thing that impacts him his entire career um i do also just want to add like the the betting markets for san francisco futures are insane to me they have the the second highest odds of winning the super bowl according to DraftKings sport sportsbook like behind only the chiefs it's so insane they had this quarterback situation and the markets are still like, yep, let's just fire money at San Francisco winning the Super Bowl. Like, I I don't get it. I, if there was a way to fade that line, I would be all in on fading that line. But I made that mistake before where once Jimmy G got hurt there's, last year. There's was, plenty of money to be made fading the 49ers in high leverage spots. I've been doing it for years. Yeah, they, they I, just, I would they're, fade, yeah. They're, and look, maybe Purdy is is... I, I said I said this to Gretch yesterday. I think like the better comp is probably Tony Romo than Tom Brady. If you want to if you want to make a comp to a guy who literally came out of nowhere and was really successful, I guess my my general issue is that I don't think 233 attempts is enough to parse out the difference between Purdy and Bethard and Mullins. Like if, but I'm 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 certainly open to the idea that they've just found their guy and they're going to ride with Purdy for the next couple of years or whatever. Like that, I, uh, we, someone, someone, I, I didn't catch his name. Someone screenshotted us their big board exposure and they had like 80% Brock Purdy. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I actually think that's fine. I actually think that's like a pretty good strategy because either you just burned all your teams or you've got like massive, massive, massive closing line value. And you have like all these teams that are live that are attached to a really good offense. Yeah. And I imagine he was stacking those teams with San Francisco. Right, I, exactly. I don't love, you know, as someone who's like not that confident in Lance's skill set, especially as a passer. You know, yeah, you don't I like love, stacking him as much. Yeah, I didn't, and and so it's, I'm not taking Lance. I'm I wasn't taking Debo in like the third round so much, but you know, you could make some. And Kittle was was pretty uh, reasonably priced. Like you could make some really interesting San Francisco stacks if you went all in on Purdy. So. I kind of I don't percent 80 percent pretty I saw that screenshot I, I thought it was uh incredible but even as uh that is a bit um, more than I think I'd go with but <laughs> yeah I was thinking yeah. I might do that just as a bit to sort of keep up the the pretty pretty bit for my brand but <laughs> flex tournament one <101. laughs> yeah all right anyways let's uh that was a lot of Trey Lance and Brock Purdy talk Let's get it. it to... feels like we're back to our corners, right? No one convinced anyone of anything. We're all, we're all just <laughs> back in our corners, getting getting towed off here. Well, I guess the final, I guess, final thing like Davis, would you still be taking Trey Lance if his ADP was 110? No, no, no. okay. No, but I think I we think... kind of agree more than we disagree. I think we're all kind of like on board that would take him around 140 ish. Right? My, my yeah. response yeah, was that this free. My response was that this free fall is overreacting to Kyle Shanahan just like vibing in a March press conference. Yes, I, but I think I the think original it's a, it's price a, didn't factor in enough the risk, I think. Yes, I think it's a delayed reaction and his price was settling where it should have been all along. Fair yeah. enough. Okay, anyways, largest ADP risers from the past week. I was able to get this data right before Underdog uh, rugged it from the website. Uh, the 10 biggest risers, a lot of the same name here, same names here. I'll read off the guys uh, that are repeat uh, performers on this chart. We have Damian Harris, Samaj P. Ryan, David Montgomery, Rashad Penny, uh, Miles Sanders, and Adam Thielen, all 
showing up in the chart for the, the second week in a row. A lot of the veteran running backs uh, that that signed recently and have seen their prices go up. Uh, let's let's start with the Damian Harris conversation. Curious, Pat, uh, what do you think about Harris's price at around one twenty five right now? I mean, I would take him sometimes. He would go like in the in the late tenth. I would often feel like I needed a running back, and I didn't like a lot of the options in that range. Um, and so I would take Damian Harris sometimes there, which I didn't love. But I'm like, uh, you know, you're getting the Sean McDermott stuff about how Allen needs to run less, which is stupid, but maybe he does run a little less. And then Damian Harris is in this really powerful, potent offense, and he's going to presumably be getting the goal line work over James Cook. So in half point PPR, I was just like, you know, he's going to be out there doing some stuff. Cook is not this workhorse profile that he's going to get. He's going to get his snaps. So it just felt like an okay pick that I would, I would make sometimes before 125. Yeah. I can say why I'm, I think I'm even a little bit more excited uh, than you about Damian Harris. Uh, a couple things. First of all, uh, Devin Singletary always was picked around sort of pick 100 the past couple of years. And I think like what projects to be a similar role, Damian Harris, I think is just better than Devin Singletary. Uh, if you look at 2020 and 2021 PFF rushing grades, Damian Harris was third of 78 backs uh, qualifying. I think minimum of 50 carries or so he was fifth of 79 in, in 2021 last year. He wasn't as good 29th of 69, but he was playing banged up. So I'm willing to say that I think that 2020 and 2021 stats are a little bit more accurate for Damian Harris. And he's 15 pounds bigger than than Devin Singletary. So in terms of, you know, Devin Singletary didn't get a ton of goal line work. Josh Allen took a lot of that. I'm actually kind of buying that the Josh Allen is going to run less stuff, it, especially in the regular season. Uh, the last couple of years we've seen this dynamic actually with Mahomes where in the playoffs he starts running a lot more and the regular season he basically doesn't do it at all. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Josh Allen, but it makes sense to preserve him for the long run that like if the Bills are already going to be good enough to make the playoffs anyways, why are you having Josh Allen run the ball a shit ton and risk getting injured? Just save that for the playoffs and use a bigger back like Damian Harris in, in short yardage and goal line situations. Obviously Allen will still take some rushing TDs like it's going to happen. He's Josh Allen, but I actually kind of bear, buy that the share of rushing touchdowns that come from the running backs could get bigger for the Bills this season, especially with a bigger, I think, more talented back in Damian Harris. So I would be buying him like to pick 90 to 100. I think he's actually a, a great value. There, there obviously is risk they add someone in the draft, but I think that's that's thinner. So um, I, I'm pretty excited about Damian Harris. 100%. Although I don't know how much I, I don't know how much I buy the Josh Allen rushing stuff because so much of his rushing stuff comes from scrambling and like a leopard don't change his stripes, you know? Yeah. And like, what, what yeah. is, what is, what is McDermott going to do? Like pull hey, Josh Allen. From... Is that a, is that a quote? I think it's a, I think it's a, a it's a, is it, is it a, a cheetah doesn't change its spots? Isn't a tiger or... doesn't change his stripes? It, I mean, it, it's all the same. The leopard, don't leopards have spots? <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I, I got those confused. I got those confused. Classic. But what what is McDermott gonna do? Like Josh Allen scrambles for a 14 yard gain and he goes, That's it. We're putting in I don't even know who the Bills backup quarterback is. Matt Barkley's coming in or whoever. 
Yeah, I doubt that the scramble raid stuff, I doubt that would change too much. I mean, it, it could. Like, I think Mahomes consciously chooses to scramble more in the playoffs than he does in the regular season. Like, I think a quarterback can make that choice. I agree with you. I kind of doubt it will happen. But I'm more so talking, like, the scheme stuff at the at the goal line. Like, if it's effective to give Damian Harris more goal line carries instead of design runs with Josh Allen, like, if that works, I think it's a smart coaching move to, to do that during the regular season, even though it's like maybe slightly worse than running with Josh Allen. Um, if they're going to win games anyways, like, I don't know. He had the elbow thing last year. I, I kind of buy that they're going to try to do things to lessen the burden on him in the regular season from a rushing perspective. But I, I could be wrong about that. E- either way, I, I think like, why is Harris going 25 picks later than Singletary was? Like, do we think Singletary is better than Harris? I, well, I, Singletary had shown inability to earn enough of the coach's trust to where he was like an every down back. And I don't think Harris is likely to ever do that. Uh, You know, he's, he's pretty much kind of a two down guy. Sure. I think one thing that is interesting about him is that in 2021, he showed a lot of breakaway ability and that's something Singletary just does not have. Right. Singletary's like, the David Montgomery type of archetype where it's probably like a worse pass catcher, but you just like, you're hoping he eats a bunch of snaps and he'll make a guy miss, but he's not picking up a ton of yards after he does it. Harris. It's like, he's shown the ability to like make a dude miss and then take it to the house, which I think would be pretty interesting for the bills. And they could really use that type of rushing element, you know, like they, they could really use an element that makes teams pay for overplaying the pass. So I think Harris is is pretty interesting in that way. We don't, I mean, he's, his breakaway percentage last year was very poor, but as you mentioned, kind of a down year in general. But if he's the guy from 2021, I think he has a lot of upside just as a, a big play guy. Yeah. And maybe this is a hot take, but like, I don't really get the point of taking James Cook over Damian Harris. Like, I, I think median projections, I totally see like Cook maybe projects to score more points throughout the season than Harris like maybe but I don't know man James Cooks is not getting goal line touchdowns like I kind of doubt Josh Allen is ever going to support a running back through the passing game to have a ton of catches like we just haven't seen it with him if I want like a multi-TD game I, I think I'd rather have Damian Harris than, than yeah, James dude, but Cook James Cook could be anything even even even, even Damian, Damian Harris, Harris. <laughs> He's even yeah yeah, I don't get that. I, I was all in on James Cook last year. He, he was cheap. I thought like he had some upside. I don't know, second round pick. But what we saw last year, not not super encouraged. He wasn't bad. Like I think he's a good real life player, but a half PPR fantasy player. I'm I'm pretty pretty skeptical in this offense. Yeah, I get that. He's, he came in at 199 pounds, um, and not like an elite pass catcher. He's a good pass catcher, not off the charts. Uh, I kind of stopped taking him once Harris went there because he, if they were going at exactly the same price, I might take Cook. Like I think they're, they're I, I, I'm more bullish on Cook than you are because I think he he showed some real efficiency as a receiver last year and I think looked good to my eye. You know he he has he did look good. Yeah. So from that same big play perspective, you know I think Cook is is pretty interesting and doesn't he weigh like 190 pounds though? He came in at 199. 
it kind of feels like the the Kenny Gainwell Rashad Penny dynamic. Like Penny's at a hundred, Gainwell's at one twenty. For the Bills, I think like it's kind of the same thing. Like bigger body guy is going to get the goal line work versus like the maybe better or yeah better passing down get uh, guy. I don't know. It's it's different. Penny. I'm not comparing Penny and, and Damian Harris. I think Penny's a better talent, but like I would just kind of and Cooks also those. better than Gainwell. I think. Yeah. Or certainly it's not a perfect it's not a perfect comparison, but I think the gap, like I don't know, the gap between them doesn't make sense to me. Three rounds. I didn't love it either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh okay, let's let's move on to uh I think the Panthers wide receivers, uh it's it's definitely a gross topic, but I think it's an interesting one. If you are taking CJ Stroud, there's some really cheap guys to stack with him. So I want to get your perspective, uh, Davis, on the Thielen versus versus Shark stuff. Uh, how would you be playing that? They're pretty similarly priced now. Let's let's just take the leap of faith and say they're going to be the same price uh, in Best Ball Mania. Say around one forty-five, they'll both be equivalent in price. Which one uh, would you rather have? Come on, dude. It's Adam Thielen, age <laughs> age thirty-three season. He, I, for sure, I, I guess the Panthers must have reached out to him and been like, we'll give you way more money than you deserve. What is it? Three years, $25 million or whatever. Uh, yeah, 14 and the Vikings, guaranteed. the Vikings probably would have kept him at a discount, you know, I, that I, I would guess, but I mean, he was, he was really bad last year and you just he I hasn't mean, been how, that good for several years. I was calling him a tight end in 2021. It was it was it was touchdown deodorant. You're right. It was all yeah. it was all touchdown deodorant. I, I love mean, that I just, phrase. I haven't heard that touchdown deodorant. I'm not interested in any way, shape, or form. I I would take Terrace Marshall over Adam Thielen. My my guess is Adam Thielen is is not going to be playing in the third year Uh-oh. of this contract. He just he, yeah he's he's slow. He can't. And if Stroud comes in or Young comes in or whoever they take comes in and are really good, maybe I'll end up eating it because you could see Thielen basically uh, Ertz Geralding his way down the field for, for, you know, reasonable stat lines. But Shark, I think, can actually play. Like most of the samples we have of Shark is, is him being decent. Like I, I, I looked it up the other day, his yards per route run, other than his 30 target rookie year, it's all about 1.5 his PFF grades kind of point him as like the 40th best receiver in the NFL. You know, I don't know how accurate those things are, but they're all fine. And he, he also is going to be, you know, he's like a good best ball guy because he's going to have like, he'll have weeks where he like literally does not generate receptions, but he'll, he'll be used down the field. Yeah. And I think the one nice thing about, well, Maybe all three of the quarterbacks in play. Obviously, if you're taking a pass catcher, you would prefer the Panthers not take Richardson. But um, Young and Stroud are both willing deep ball throwers. So And good. You know, good at it. And good at it. Yeah. So it's not like, I guess, any quarterback going first overall. But, but I mean, Jared Goff, right? Like, if, if Jared Goff was kind of the first overall pick this year, you wouldn't necessarily love that mesh. So I think... Um, you know, he's he's not like a traditional alpha wide receiver, but we have seen him be the clear number one and the team's primary downfield threat. You know, when he had his second year breakout, he's he's that couple couple ankle injuries later. Yeah, you know, he just who had knows surgery. if he can be that guy. Yeah, he just had surgery. But 
I thought he was like really well priced. I took a lot of them. Um, I liked getting them with Stroud. I would take him without Stroud too, though. I, I think he was just a good pick because like there's nothing really here. Like, who does he even yeah. have to has to display? Even a tight end, it's Hayden Hurst. Like Hayden Hurst was a product of the Bengals offense, and he wasn't even a very good product. So yeah. there's like really no target competition. He's I think locked into outside snaps. He should play over Terrace Marshall, no problem. And Marshall might be playing over Adam Thielen by the end of the year. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with. I was taking Chark. I actually, so I'll, I'll make the case here for for Thielen a little bit. Um, it's it's disgusting. I don't want to do it, but so I, I dug into it. Uh, this is a, a deep dive on DJ Chark versus Adam Thielen uh, in, in March. So pretty pretty sick that I spent time on doing this. But <laughs> this, okay, is, you, this is truly <laughs> sick. This is truly degenerate behavior. <laughs> but if you okay, so if you look at yards per route run. DJ Chark has been pretty flat throughout his career. This is just the last four years. He's been hovering around 1.5. Adam Thielen clearly at his peak was a much better player than that. He was around two yards per route run. He fell off a ton in 2022 to one yard per route run, which is bad. But, okay, yards per route run is, is impacted by target competition. I think we have to acknowledge that. He was competing with Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. Chark also had decent competition he had you know Amon Ross St. Brown Jameson Williams for a little bit even TJ Hawkinson himself for a little bit so it wasn't terrible target competition but I would say Thielen had tougher target competition than Chark last year and then if you look at the like wide receiver charting stuff it is really 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 fucking bad for DJ Chark uh reception perception Matt Harmon they have he does great stuff has good data he ranked uh DJ Chark in 2021 as of the 59 wide receivers he charted in success rate versus man versus zone, Chark was worst versus zone, second worst versus man out of 60 wide receivers. Last year, he did not get much better. It's like in his data, this is like first, second percentile stuff for Chark. Like he was truly, truly terrible. So I think we do remember DJ Shark as this like speed freak athlete from his years in the Jags. Like I'm pretty questionable. I'm pretty skeptical. He still has that juice left in him. Um, another charting score, if you want to look at is ESPN open score, uh, they rated Chark as 41 in that metric and Adam Thielen in comparison was 54. So ESPN's saying Chark's getting open more or sorry, Thielen's getting open more than Chark. Uh, Matt Harmon also has historically graded Thielen better than Chark, but unfortunately we don't know. We don't have his grades the past two years because he doesn't do this for every single wide receiver. So unfortunately we don't have Harmon's data for uh Thielen in 21 and 22 so I guess long story short short like I'm willing to acknowledge that Thielen definitely fell off a lot a lot last year but man Chark the Chark stuff looks really bad and the Panthers are also telling us and maybe the the NFL market is also telling us we think Adam Thielen is still a player worth paying in this league we don't think DJ Chark is uh worth much at all in this league so I, I think I would be taking both equally originally like before i did this research i would say chark every time like why would i want 33 year old out of feeling but man all, all this stuff like i don't think it's as clear cut as that i think you should be you should be taking both in a in cheap stacks with stroud i think it is i think it is clear cut adam Thielen's 33 and he just completely fell off after like completely after fell off. wavering wavering in 2021 i mean he he dropped I mean, you like this is the if you're but his, looking, he, he got open, he got open better than Shark did. Like, yeah, but okay, Shark was awful. Let's let's leave Shark aside for a second. 
because if you look at his age-related decline here for Thielen, 2017 yards per hour on 2.15, down to 2.10, down to 2.08, down to 1.86 in 2020. It's a pretty significant decline. Down to 1.63 in 2021. At that point, you're like, this guy might be, this might be over. And then he turns in a horrible, for a veteran, a horrible season of 1.08. And they bring in Hawkinson. And then the team's like, yeah, we, we don't really care if you come back. I mean, that that's about as thorough of a you're done as you're going to get. And that the Carolina Panthers, the Carolina Panthers being the team to scoop him up and giving him a ridiculous contract doesn't do anything to me to, to kind of raise my expectations for, for him going forward. I think he's, I think he's dust. I just full stop. I think he's dust. And so then it's, well, what, what's going on with Chark? Well, he's dealt with, he came off of severe ankle injury last year. He just had ankle surgery again. It's possible he's done too. It's possible the athleticism sapped. It's possible he's not healthy enough, you know, to start the year. So he has some risk, but like there is also, I think a plausible path where like he was playing hurt the last couple of years. And now he's, he's back to being good enough to deal with target competition that essentially doesn't exist. So, you know, he, he definitely could bust, but I just think, much more plausible that he is is like doing some real stuff for your best ball teams. Yeah, I guess that's fair. And and like, I think anchoring as comparing him to Chark is like a very low bar for Thielen. So like, maybe the real takeaway here is like, to me, they both look dust. Like if you're going to say Thielen is dust, like I think like I get the injury stuff, but does that explain 2021? Um, like, I don't think so. Well, I mean, okay. He was playing in an Urban Meyer offense. Is that we use that excuse for everybody I, else? I, I no data sample from that Jacksonville season is applicable. Like I just that you're you're talking. That's fair. About. That's fair. Out Trevor okay. Lawrence's season. Sure. We're not allowed to throw out sharks. I, I he forgot didn't about know who Aaron Donald was. He yeah. didn't know who Aaron Donald was. All right, like this was not a comp. And now that now his offensive coordinator is uh, coaching CD Lamb. So yeah. I just think, like, if they add any wide receiver in the draft, I'm going to be looking to, like, I think I'm going to draft, at these prices, I'm going to draft a little bit of Chark and Thielen. Uh, I, I see where you guys are coming from. I, I still think it's closer based on the money and just based on the, the charting stuff that Chark looks like. You can't pay truly... someone to be young. You just can't, can't do it. Yeah. Can, no matter how much money you give them, they won't get younger. You can't pay someone to uninjure their, their ankle that is sap their athleticism either that's so, true but you know um, hopefully hopefully he recovers well how old is Chark? i mean he's not he's, he's not yeah he's six years old. younger than Thielen, but i don't <laughs> know like it's it's like these these charting numbers are so so like he's the he's literally like the worst wide receiver at getting separation in the past two years. when were the when were the charting numbers from the from 2021 like i think okay it's fair that you want to throw out like the urban meyer offense but like i don't know the charting numbers like that's just a guy is a dude getting open or is he not and like definitely you can scheme guys better or worse but like man 58th out of 59th in success rate versus man 59 out of 59 success rate versus zone that's just, i think that's this is bad. where the, the target competition really does matter because like if you look at espn open score um let me pull up because like what you said he was around the 40s so, you know, you look at like guys like Mike Williams and stuff, like they don't rate well in that metric either. You know, it, it's yeah, like, but is are you going to a big bodied contested catch guy? I mean, I don't know. He's 6'4. He's not, he doesn't have the weight, but he's 6'4. 
Um, Mike Williams was was forty had a forty nine score in open score last year. You know, Gabe Davis was at forty five. We obviously have our issues with Gabe Davis, but like downfield deep threat guys don't always get a ton of separation, and it's more about. Well, not if, if they do get separation, then obviously they have a much stronger chance of being stars. But in this case, it's like, OK, there's not really anyone else getting open very easily. And is the quarterback going to be willing to, like, chuck it up? And I think both of these guys probably willing to chuck it up a little bit, you know, and they've got the arm to do it. And there's no real other options. So I think if he were to land where there was legit target competition, I wouldn't be nearly as excited. But. I just think like he does seem like a guy who can um, stand out from this pack. That's that's fair, and I, I've drafted I've drafted a lot of Chark, um, so I, I totally totally get where you're coming from. Um, yeah, let's let's move on. Uh, any of these other veteran running backs that any of you guys want to talk about? I know we touched on Piran, Montgomery, Penny, Sanders uh, in the past week. I guess I guess for you, Davis. Of those guys, who is your favorite value right now between P Ryan, Montgomery, P Ryan? P. Ryan? Let me let me bet. Let me bet against Javante Williams with this like complicated knee injury. Uh, bet on a guy who's like basically been pretty good every time a, a team has given him the ball, except for when he played for the uh, the Commanders, right? And kind of kind of give the Commanders the same treatment I do the Urban Meyer Jags, which is like they're an unserious franchise and have ruined lots of guys' careers. So seems seems plausible that P. Ryan might actually be pretty decent. And probably most importantly on P. Ryan is like, one, I think he's going to play a lot. Two, I think even if Javante Williams has this miraculous recovery, I still think he's going to play in a very Nixon P. Ryan-y way that he did. Uh, and... I don't know. I uh, I think I've psyops myself into thinking Sean Payton can fix Russell Wilson. I think that's now officially where I'm at in in the off season. Well, I've psyops myself after listening to uh, to Denny. Denny Carter keeps saying he's going to get get benched for Jarrett Stidham, and, <laughs> and if you psyops yourself into that, yeah, no, boom. Who's, who's checking down to P Ryan more? Probably Stidham. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I well, that's good. So that's now I have like a, a backup psyop if I need. You have it. a backup psyops, yeah. Uh, Perfect. I think I think P Ryan's been a nice value because it's like this. It's like a Jamal Williams type exactly, of play, hundred percent. But you, but he's cheaper. You know what's really the difference? I mean, P Ryan's better pass catcher, um, and you get a guy in Peyton who's always ran committees and and thrown to the running back a lot. And Javante Williams, I think, would be certainly like capable if he's healthy of of getting a lot of that reception work, but we're pretty worried about his health. Yeah. I think that I'm, I'm with you guys on PR. I think he's a good value. My, the only like thing here is, you know, Broncos, they have two picks on, on day three. I think they take, mm-hmm. I don't know, Zach Charbonnet at pick 67 seems reasonable. Well, they think at Tajay Spears, I think that like there's guys like Spears is a pass catcher and that, you know, there's guys like that too, where I mean, they get Deuce Vaughn. He gets his next, his next Darren Sproles, right? Like, yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, it doesn't take much for P- like for a guy to land in Denver, where I'm immediately probably going to be more excited about the rookie than yeah, P. Ryan. yeah. It doesn't. Uh, take that's a good point. Much. Yeah. 
Um, it feels like they, I mean, they have to add a running back, right? Like Javante, his health stuff. Who else do they have besides Piran on the roster? Like, not much at all. Like, I think they're definitely drafting a running Is back. Is Murray still there or not? Probably not. Mm. I think he got cut at the end, right? Yeah. He he got was, cut yeah. when they got Edmonds, I feel like, maybe. Oh, I forgot the Chase Edmonds. No, he's in Tampa. No, no, Edmonds, yeah. Uh, Latavius right. Murray. Those is... Latavius Murray spike weeks last year he's were a, truly a... like from the grave spike weeks. Like, <laughs> they where really the... were. <laughs> That's the true Undertaker meme. <laughs> yeah. Latavius, Latavius is a free agent. Latavius is a free okay. agent. Okay. Yeah. So I think they're I think they're drafting someone or we'll see. But I like there's worlds where P Ryan rises, but I think we have to acknowledge like he, he could be dusted by a rookie, but um I, I still think he's a good value at this price. You just gotta factor that in, I think, a little bit. Uh, other yeah, guy other guy I want to talk about, I think the most recent free agent signing that's kind of relevant for this chart. Uh Irv Smith signed a one year, I think one point seven five million guaranteed deal with the Bengals. So pretty small money in the range of Austin Hooper, Jordan Akins, that's the type of money that the Bengals committed to Irv Smith. It's not a ton. It's kind of a one-year prove-it deal. Uh, Pat, what do you think about, about Irv Smith uh, right now? Are you Do you think he's sort of a priority pick uh, in your in your Bengals stacks? Are you just ignoring him completely? Where are you at? Yeah, I, would, I was uh, searching for him in my drafts and taking him right after the signing. And then I would search for him sometimes and I'm a, you know, I'm so sneaky. No one's thinking to search and then he'd already be gone. <laughs> like, God yeah. damn, I need to, okay. Now I need to start prioritizing a little bit more. I don't think you want to go crazy with like, I don't know what like exactly prioritizing him means, but if you're, he is going to play snaps for the Bengals. I think even if they yeah. draft a rookie, I guess if they draft like a, a mayor or a Kincaid, then you would really worry about it. But some of the reaction I was seeing out of this is that it was like, okay, sharp move by the Bengals because they took care of a clear need that now they're not going to have to draft to fill. And it doesn't really make sense. A team that's about to be really cash draft, as we talked about here, it doesn't make sense to draft a tight end early if you're trying to think through it from the lens of like, how can I save money? Because even if you hit on the guy, Right. Like you're not it's not like a valuable position necessarily. It, you know, like the, the free agent contracts for tight ends aren't that large. So it's better to get a guy at a more valuable position playing on a rookie contract than it is to get a tight end, because at tight end, you can sign Irv Smith to a one year prove it deal and be fine. So I think who knows what their plan is, but it would make so much sense to basically have taken care of tight end this way and then use the draft for other needs. Um, and if Irv Smith enters the season as the clear tight end one for the Bengals, I think we'll be taking him in like the 14th round or something, 13th, 14th. Yeah. I was just so, looking at that. Like, it feels like the Cole Komet to Jawan Johnson range is where he would land. Yeah. If, if the season started today, the only other tight ends in the roster are Tanner Hudson and Devin Asiasi, which is as it currently stands, that's what it is. I think he would be 140, 150 ADPs-ish. I mean, he, he um, had like a an ADP around 100, I think, last year, didn't he? I mean, I, that sounds right. Yeah, so close to that. He could, he could be there again, depending on how many how much Irv Smith I mean, how optimism much, is left. How much more juice does Irv Smith Jr. after like eight 
uh, injuries happen, Hayden Hurst. Like, still probably like 200% more juice, right? Yeah. <laughs> still, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this I mean, he's even, only 21 years old, dude. This isn't even, this is not even factoring in that like every year Tyler Boyd gets closer to the shadow of becoming Ertz Gerald, you know, of just like of losing right. his juice. And if Boyd go, if Boyd has to be sent to the glue factory, I don't really think D. Higgins and Jamar Chase can like get any more targets. You know, it's yeah, like they're right. they're sufficiently target. It's it's you got to start designing other things in. Right, Burrow's a good enough quarterback to where he's gonna throw to a third guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wanted the like back when Waller's uh, situation was up in there. I really wanted the Bengals to make the Waller move. Maybe it, it didn't work financially. Actually, probably it didn't because they're so strapped against the cap. But man, I would have. I would have slapped myself into Waller in the third round again if he landed with the Bengals. I would have third round. Oh my god! Would, not okay. That's an exaggeration. That's but so high. That's above Andrews. I man, Waller, Waller's burned me for two years in a row. Um, <laughs> right. I, pro- really I probably would have let to him burn you again. I really, yeah, I would have loved to let him burn me again on the Bengals. Yeah. But more from like a real football perspective, that just would have been super fun. I think to see uh, that would have been very a, fun. I agree with a good tight end. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, let's move on past the Panther stuff. Let's talk some fallers here. Um, a lot of got Trey Lance, uh, is falling, uh, Terrace Marshall, I guess on the, on the chart and Thielen news is falling, uh, cream hunt, Kayshawn booty, Isaiah Hodgins, Jacoby Myers, Rashad Bateman, Donovan Peoples Jones, Javante Williams, and Mark Andrews. How, that, how that is rounds- Jacoby Myers still going here? Who's who's I demand to know. I find me the person who's like, yeah, dude, Jacoby Myers. <laughs> <laughs> what are we? He plays with Devonte Adams and Hunter Renfro, dude. It's it's, it's not happening. I feel like I, I'm a Jacoby Myers stan, and I was like, why is this? Why is he still here? I think I you should be a little cheaper, him. but yeah. I don't know if I would have bought him at this price on the Patriots playing the same role he has his entire career. I would have. I would have. I would have. <laughs> yeah. I'm buying Juju at pick 106, and I feel disgusting. Oh, 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 oh no. no. I'm, I'm doing no. it. I'm doing no. it. That's not Juju. <laughs> Juju, the only, I mean, Juju hasn't been good in a decade, but the only argument, the only thing keeping him afloat was the Mahomes thing, and he couldn't even do it with Pat. Yeah. He's worse than Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. I don't know. Belichick fucking hate. I don't know what Kendrick Bourne did, but Belichick hates Kendrick Bourne. I don't know what he did either. (laughs) I agree with you. But from a talent perspective, give me Kendrick Bourne at this point. It's not a let me tell you, drafting Juju is not a talent talent based bet by by (laughs) Oh, wait, no, I see what he's doing. It's a cheap stack bet. No, he's going ninth level. It's a Bailey Zappy bet. It's a okay. it's a Bailey Zappy is is gonna is gonna Tom Brady his way to being the starting quarterback for the Patriots bet. Yeah, it's a it's a bet that Juco, I think Juju's median outcome is just kind of doing what Myers has been doing the past couple of years. I, I do think Myers is better than Juju. Like I'm on the record for that, and I think it was a dumb move for them to to signed Juju for actually more guaranteed money than Myers. I think that's kind of missed once you actually get into the contract details. They like gave Juju more guarantees. Is that right? Anyways, I think that was, I think that was a dumb football move, but I think they're similar players at what the Patriots are going to ask Juju to do, which is win in the slot, win versus um, zone coverage. I think 
you know, do a little bit of yak. He's a little bit better at yak than Jacoby is. Similar at winning versus zone coverage. It's just a bet, like, you know, plug plug the joke Kobe Myers projection in for Juju. And I think it's like... But don't do that. Uh, Kobe's much better. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Kobe was better, but, targets. Yeah. But, I mean, who was Jacoby competing with for targets versus what was Juju Who was Juju with? competing with for targets? Kelsey. Other than Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Sure. Yeah, but that's, you can't just ignore Kelsey. Like, who was... I mean, there's no Kelsey-level presence on the Pats. Not even close. He was not doing enough. I mean, Tyree Kill didn't seem to have any issue competing with Kelsey. You know what I mean? Like... You're there was enough to go around for two guys, and it was sure it okay. It's going not, around. It, it this is more of just like the Patriots wide receiver room is a fucking like this is malpractice what they're what they're doing, and with the money they paid Juju, like whatever. Let's move on from Juju. Maybe I need to rethink <laughs> that. I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be on the record for being pro Juju because I don't really think that it's too but, late. The internet lives forever. Yeah, oh, fuck. This is bad luck. It's a disaster for my brand. <laughs> Pro um, Juju in 2023. Unreal. It's yeah, it's at the Watch price. Juju at the smash price. Now. That'll be I would be buying I'd be buying Juju at Adam Thielen prices because Juju is basically Adam Thielen. Oh god, that's <laughs> come on. <laughs> Don't make me defend Adam Thielen and Juju. Ben, Juju Juju's so Juju's so slow that he baited Chauncey Gardner Johnson into holding him <laughs> to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> 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 I will always appreciate Juju Smith-Schuster for uh for you know delivering a Super Bowl to yeah the Kansas City Chiefs, but the only way he could. <laughs> you know what's you know what's absolutely disgusting. This is not related to best ball, but I had Juju in all these dynasty teams, and I bought in so hard I didn't sell him in any of them. I just kept mm. him in all these leagues because mm. I was like, I just banked, I just banked the wide receiver twenty. Like, why would I trade him? Not, I not didn't sell them, but I should have sold them. But I, I did sell. I used the Chiefs window to sell some of them. Not good portfolio management. This is a good point from uh, Chip Skylark. If you're doing the uh, follow the money strategy with the Patriots, you would have taken some of the most heinous uh, draft picks of the last uh, couple years with Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith. Wasn't like wasn't Johnu like the sixth highest paid tight end in the NFL last season? The, <sighs> This is a whole other topic, but man, Belichick is completely lost it as a GM, right? Like he's like one he's of the worst. He's like he's, he's like it. he's like Gettleman level, honestly. It's it's bad. Like he, I don't think he has any like any idea of what he's doing and evaluating wide receivers. If you look at the past like five years, it's like trade a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu, draft Nikhil Harry in the first round, give Johnny Smith. Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, like way above market money, give Juju way above market money. They had Philip like, Dorsett man. in there. They drafted, I mean, their draft picks have been comically Awful. bad. Mal, um, was it? I can't remember. Aaron Dobson, Malcolm Mitchell. There's like Mitchell was good. Just... All, all, all truth, Mitchell. Oh, Mitchell he was, was good. <laughs> Before the injury. Now, okay, he, all right. Yeah, but he, nah, he, yeah, he was dust. You're, you're right, though. Um, God, they took another guy I liked from the early road of his days. They took like a dude, Stedman Bailey. Remember Stedman no, Bailey Davis? No, no, no. You're 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 misremembering. They took the guy from Marshall, Aaron Dobson. That's who you are. That's who you were thinking. They didn't of. take Stedman Bailey. Stedman Bailey. I no. I think they both went to the Rams, right? Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah they and didn't take Aaron Dobson for sure. Tyquan Thornton yeah. last year over George Pickens. Like that's just what are you what are you guys doing? I, I don't get it. And and maybe Thornton like will pan out. 
a little bit. Stedman you're Bailey. right. He was dra- Bailey was a Rams guy. I don't know why I thought he's Stedman a Bailey was a third round draft pick. Talk about shit that could never happen in in today's environment. Stedman Bailey, Tavon Austin's teammate, going in the third round. That's wild. Who was the? I wonder who the Patriots guy was thinking of then. Well, there there are. I mean, take a pick. They've taken so many, and they've all been terrible. The last thousand yard wide receiver that Bill Belichick drafted was Julian Edelman. Did, yeah, he was like a seventh. Like their the wide receivers they've hit on have been like seventh rounders and undrafted guys, like Jacoby Myers and Julian Edelman, and, or guys uh, they've taken from other teams. Wes Welker, Randy Moss. Uh, they drafted cool. Braxton Berrios, Malcolm Mitchell, uh, Jeremy Gallon, Josh Boyce, Jeremy, Jeremy Ebert, Gallen. Brandon Tate, Matthew Slater. Yeah, oh God, Brandon Tate. Josh Boyce was Chad. Going way back, they drafted Chad Jackson in like the second round. This is like two late two thousands, and he was terrible. Too. I mean, even even if you go back, I mean, you can go back all the way to when they were winning Super Bowls all the time. Like guys that we think of as being good, like Dion Branch and stuff. Like even Dion Branch, like never had a no. thousand yard season. Like you remember his name because they won all those Super Bowls. But Belichick just has he really doesn't. He must just not get it. He must just not get what it is to succeed at wide receiver. I don't know. Well, he had yeah. Matt Patricia as his offense coordinator last year. So, like, <laughs> it's possible he doesn't have a great feel <laughs> for several things on offense. I, I Maybe that is it. Maybe it's just that they the Patriots used to be able to get by on, like, Brady is the GOAT and kind of just handles the offense. And McDaniels, too. Yeah. Uh, like the Raiders offense really wasn't horrible last year. It's just like me. Daniels is a bad CEO type coach and Belichick just handles the defense. And now that alignment is just all out of whack. Yeah. If you want to get wonder deep. If McDaniels might be also pretty overrated though. Cause he's getting, <laughs> yeah. he's like, he got the, the nice little gift of the Patricia hire because now it's like, Oh, the Patriots are like in disarray. Well, it's like, yeah, they're in disarray. Cause they didn't replace their offensive coordinator with anybody, you know? But then compared to the where the Raiders were, um, not just under Gruden, but under um, Basaccia, I think they it, they seemed like a little bit less interesting on offense. So, yeah. and we've seen this is his second chance. He went to Denver, tried to install a Tim Tebow offense, you know, ran Jay Cutler out of town, didn't look particularly impressive as an offensive mind on his own that, in that stint. So I don't know. I think... I have never been someone who wants to uh, praise Tom Brady, but like Brady's last couple, like going to Tampa Bay, winning a Super Bowl, and then having like every coach that he was with kind of get exposed is like maybe slightly overrated. Uh, and and maybe we could remove the slightly in some of those cases. Uh, it's, it's nice, nice run out for Brady. Yeah. Um, I got a question. Who has a higher winning percentage uh, as a head coach in their career, Belichick without Tom Brady or Cliff Kingsbury? Oh, uh, no. Brady, I, I tweeted it out. Belichick has a sub-500 career record without Brady And it's a Belichick. large – people think, oh, it's a small sample. It's a big sample of games now without Brady. And this is getting into Belichick uh, slander that is tough to do, but – it's not yeah, that with, tough to do. We're it, doing without it. Brady, it's, it's like hundreds it's not of that games. Hard. It's hundreds of games, and he's been a below average head coach. Can someone Photoshop Belichick in Thailand? That's what I <laughs> <laughs> just a grumpy Belichick at a Thai bar. I mean, 
now that we're uh, we're we're entering into superflex territory, are we going to be taking Bailey Zappi in the twentieth round? Hmm. Where, there was uh, just Belichick. On? Belichick just said today he won't. They were like, "Is Mac going to start at quarterback for sure?" And he said, "No." He said, "I'm not going to say that today." Wow. Let's. Uh, one thing I did want to talk touch on uh i think this is a big big takeaway of this chart for me is the ravens adps are falling a lot in this lamar news lamar would have been like the 12th the 12th biggest faller on this chart he just missed the cut but bateman's down andrews is down lamar's down pat what are you doing with lamar at this point i've kind of just been like hammering him i was hammering him early i'm still been drafting him even as he's been falling like i'm kind of fading this this noise that he might not play this year, but I'm hearing some like people I respect now say, I think there's a legit chance he doesn't play. So what are you, what are you doing with Lamar and the, the Ravens guys? I was still taking him cause he was continuing to fall and you could get him in the fifth. I love Andrews. Um, I just think he's massively underpriced. If Lamar does play and you're getting a huge, so I think you're getting a huge payoff with the Andrews. And then when Lamar would come back around in the fifth, I would, I would grab him. But I did start to feel a little hypocritical with that because I've got this whole take with Lance of like, why are we taking on all this risk at a position where, you know, it's the most replaceable position, blah, blah, blah. And yet I'm taking this guy who people are speculating might sit out the entire season, you know, and that's that's like a realistic outcome. Maybe it's only like 5% chance or something, but it's, it's not completely off the table and he's significantly more expensive than Lance. And then I was like... You know, if I had a big board draft today, I would be a little bit less interested in grabbing him in the fifth, I guess. But I don't know. To me, I'm like, now that we're on to super flex and he's the seventh overall pick, according to this ADP here, that does feel like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe yeah. maybe I'll figure out. Because you can you don't have to take an expensive quarterback. You can figure it out a little bit later. So I'm, uh, I think I'm inclined to, like, I don't, I don't regret taking him in the fifth and I probably still would mix him in at that price in, in a regular draft, but um, in this super flex environment, I don't know that he's going to be a target for me. Where do, where do you guys stand? Yeah. He seems, it's just, this is like the stuff that I hate about drafting so early. Like there's some things that are really exciting about it. And this is the type of shit where it's like, there are so many things in the range that could happen that it doesn't even feel like something that a human being can handicap with any yeah. significant accuracy. It's such a weird situation, but like, I don't know how, how many examples are there of guys in their prime sitting out and costing themselves tons of money. It's basically just levy on bell. Right. I mean, it's like, I don't know if I'm handicapping it. That's kind of how I'm thinking of it. Like it's a completely unprecedented, unusual situation, but these things work themselves out more often than they don't, whether that's with the Ravens, whether that's with another team. Like I think the chances of Lamar not playing next year, are like sub 5%. So I think they're, I think they're very low, but that that's just me like 10,000 foot well, view of it. So one, one way I think about it here is like, okay, if Lamar was definitely 100% playing for the Ravens and they've got this new Todd Monk and offense where we're expecting them to be a little bit less run heavy, you know, I doubt they're like pass heavy or anything, but a little bit more passing. Um, he would have probably been what a third round pick in the big board. The you know the Hurts yeah. Allen that tier goes off kind of late mid to late second, and then he would have gone third. Yeah. So you're getting 
when he was going in the fifth, you're getting a two round, you know, closing line value spike. That's nice. Here, you're getting, you know, to get up to uh, one pick past Fields and, and ahead of Burrow, you're talking about him moving from seventh to fifth. So you're getting two picks. So who who cares? So there's no there's no upside to him definitely playing. You know what I mean? So I, in some ways, yeah, I sure. feel like you're better off taking your stabs in one quarterback leagues where you're getting this third round value at fifth round price. Here, like you better hope he plays because if you're seventh, if you take a guy seventh overall and he doesn't play, <laughs> the team is completely dead. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. We see this. This dynamics talked about in dynasty, but I think it applies to best ball like pretty similarly. Like floor matters more in superflex for quarterbacks. That's sorry, floor matters for quarterbacks more in superflex than it does in one quarterback. So right. I, I see your point. Like, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Last thing I want to touch on here, uh, Cream Hunt, I think is an interesting one on this list. I think the lesson of like the previous chart is just like when these running backs get signed, it doesn't really matter where they get signed or how excited we are about the situation. I mean, these are a lot of good situations for these guys, but like the lesson is kind of like when the running back gets signed, they go up in ADP. So unless there's a risk that Cream Hunt is like out of the league, I think he's going to go up in price. Like whether you care about getting closing line value in Cream Hunt, I think is another discussion. But like, I think if you want exposure to him, draft him now does that sound fair to you guys yeah i mean there's maybe a little bit of concern that he's entered into the latavius murray zone where where he's now just a one-year contract goal line carry like sort of break glass in case of emergency style guy i know we we don't think of him that way because i feel like most memories of kareem hunt that we all have are of him just like you're just ripping off touchdowns for the kansas city chiefs uh, but I, I mean, your point is absolutely correct in which he, he, once he signs, he will get more expensive. Like no, absolutely no doubt about it. I also think it's been a little tough for me to take hunt and Zeke who goes in the same range because I can't believe uh, this is not very on brand, but because Leonard Fournette is so much cheaper than both guys. Yeah. He really he is goes, the best one. He's like 180, 185. You can get. I've gotten him in like the 190s. What was what was Zeke's closing ADP? Around 150, I think. Around 150. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't want to be. I don't want to be an inconvenient truth to anyone. But Ezekiel Elliott scoring 10 touchdowns for some team you absolutely don't want him scoring 10 touchdowns for this year. Like I don't. I don't mean to be well, the Kool Aid Man breaking him with bad news. Do you think he's a better bet to do that than Fournette? I think Fournette is a better bet to end up as a lead back somewhere by hook or by crook, whether it be training camp injury <laughs> or it just works out that way. I think Zeke is I would I would bet him at like minus 120 to be a thorn in the side of a much more talented running back on some team this year. Like I just I think it is a, a mortal certainty. Who do you think is more likely to have texted Patrick Mahomes? Zeke I, I just like I am I am every day I wake up in a cold sweat when I check my phone that I'm gonna have an alert that the Chiefs signed Ezekiel Elliott. Like it it because I mean that is you want to talk about typecasting. Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, Carlos Hyde. You're telling me you telling me Andy has not already thought about how many pass blocking snaps he can get Ezekiel Elliott in on? Yeah, like, but it's the spider, it's the Spider-Man meme between him and Zeke, between Fournette and Zeke. Like uh, everything you're saying would also I, apply to Fournette here. So I wonder if 
Fournette actually still views himself as a starter. I feel like I feel like, and maybe maybe Zeke does too. But I I just, I sort of feel like the situation in Dallas was so brutal, where it's like it just became so obvious he couldn't really be on the field. Like you know, it hurt Jerry to cut him. Like you knew, oh, yeah. you know, that was Zeke. painful. Like yeah. it it just became so obvious he shouldn't really be playing. Like I feel like maybe Zeke is a little bit more humbled by that experience than for, and this could be the wrong read. But it feels like Fournette wants to sign as a starter somewhere. Yeah, but Fournette, I mean, he signed with Tampa Bay because I think in part, well, Brady was there, obviously, but it's like that was a room where he was he didn't come in as the starter. Yeah. He, he eventually became a starter, and I think he could be eyeing the Chiefs room. Now, Fournette, a few years older, um, you know, Pacheco, I think more favored by the coaching staff. I don't think he would do it, but I think he could see Kansas City I think any any veteran running back who believes in themselves would see Kansas City as a backfield they can take over. If I was if I was Fournette, I would tell the Bengals, I'll sign a veteran minimum. I'll I'll sign a bet I'll sign a veteran minimum. Do whatever you want with Joe Mixon. Because I think when you I think when you have the solution on the roster, I think and, and uh, Hayden would have to school us on this in terms of like the cap stuff and like when the optimal date to cut Joe Mixon would be. But I feel like just from a Bengals perspective, when you want to win a Super Bowl, it's it's just hard to look at your roster and be like, we're down to Chris Evans and Travion Williams, and that's it. That's our whole running back room. Like, I feel like it's once you, okay, we got Fournette. At least we got a veteran mm-hmm. who can, like, handle his duties. It's easier to cut Joe Mixon. I like that. I think you do, like, a second year, like, essentially a team option year with no guaranteed money that's, like, totally. nice and cheap. Not, like, not bet min, but, like, nice and cheap, like, much more appealing James James Robinson's contract yeah yeah two years eight million zero guaranteed that type of yes thing. yes yes <laughs> look you can Gar- you guarantee later, guarantee guarantee the first year to get Fournette in the door yeah. probably Very I good. think Fournette of these guys just because he's like way cheaper we be I think agents? for <laughs> Fournette is uh yeah I've been taking him at 190 it's always like I get why he fell there because it just feels gross when you click him but it's like I don't think he's out of the league I think he's and there's still these exciting spots for veteran running backs to land the chiefs, the Bengals, maybe the Vikings. If uh, Dalvin cook gets cut, like there's some, there's some spots for veteran running backs still. So I think uh, it's important when you're doing fantasy drafts, it's important to understand that you have strong biases, you know, everyone's got their biases. And if you find yourself thinking, huh, I wouldn't mind taking this player who I never take have repeatedly bet against his entire career. Who I hate, you know, that for in a from a fantasy perspective, seem, actually seems. Like By the way, Fournette seems like funny a guy. funny, like yeah, good guy. He seems like a great guy. It's such a, yeah. it's like such a bad <laughs> bias to have, but like from a fantasy perspective, it's one that I know I do have, and yeah. uh, so like when he got to the point where I was like, and someone even said, I think someone on here in the comments or somewhere was like, dude, Fournette's a smash, like, and I had no counter, and it's like okay. Well then, like, yeah. if I'm if I'm open minded to taking them, then they're they're definitely a value. If I'm taking them and I'm going, hmm, that made this team. I'm I feel a lot better about this team actually now that I have this veteran running back who I think is going to get some dump off stuff. I've paired him with a couple rookies. I've got this this running back room that kind of works together. Some early season stuff, you know, some bye week type of stuff with Fournette, and then some late season explosion potential with these rookies that I took. If I'm feeling good about taking him in those builds, then he's probably a smash. Yeah. I'm totally on board with that. 
so the rookies I, I wanted to we, we haven't looked at this this chart for a little while uh i wanted to bring it back because i think you know running back draft cap capital we can't say it's like um becoming efficient at this point there's still a ton of uncertainty about where these running backs are going uh we don't know the draft capital but in terms of the projected gap draft capital we kind of have a lot of the information now we have the combine stuff uh, a lot of the players have done interviews so i'm starting to trust this uh view a little bit uh more now we still will get some news uh that'll trickle in and change these things but i do like kind of trust this uh projected draft capital stuff i just think this like tier this tiering for running backs is like kind of fascinating with clearly Bijan tier one gibbs clearly tier two charbonnet pretty clearly tier three and then but from a draft capital perspective actually a chain is like kind of clearly tier four but there's reasons like he could be a better NFL player than a half PPR fantasy player. I kind of get why he's like a little bit underpriced uh, relative to his draft capital. But then after that, it's like from, I don't know, Tajay Spears, Sean Tucker, Tank Bigsby, Zach Evans, Chase Brown. Like these guys are all like clustered at the same spot. Big, like, Bigsby is the one who most nerds I talk to get the most excited about because he's got such good size. Hmm. I've been, yeah, that's, that's kind of been my, like, with how I've been treating these late round guys, I've just been kind of like filtering by weight and, and taking the bigger guys and like not taking the smaller guys, just because I think that is how NFL teams are kind of going to make some of these decisions. But man, I I, I don't know, like, it, it's hard to say with this tier. I've just been like sprinkling in all of them because like, that's a good way I, to do it. I don't know. I don't know who's good and who's not. Yeah, I, I think that's a smart way to go. Um, I think Charbonnet is a very good bet because his ADP looks locked in as day day two, um, potentially round two. And none of the other guys really have that safety, um, except A-Chain looks like a like a very good bet to go day two, probably not as strong as uh, Charbonnet, but still be weird if he fell to day three given his speed. But I was talking to JJ Zacharyson about him because he's it's like one of those things where compared to the big group of running backs behind him, he's much more likely to go day two. But some of those running backs probably will go day two. And mm-hmm. once they do, I will like them more than A Chain, most mm-hmm. likely. Yeah. So it yeah. doesn't make A Chain a great pick. It's not a bad pick, and I've definitely taken him. Mm-hmm. But especially as the big board was closing out, I was getting like, God. He's 188 pounds. He's not an elite receiver. Like he's not even necessarily like a great receiver. You know, he he's he's fine, but you know, compared to uh, Jameer Gibbs, like Gibbs is is really really strong. Like he's kind of at the level where I'm not so worried about the weight, and he's got 11 pounds on a chain. Um, a chain had 1.15 yards per hour, and that's like kind of the the whatever zone. The the guys who are like you're probably not going to be a receiving specialist, but you, you're good enough to where there's no reason to take you off the field. But like the reason to take him off the field is that he's 188 pounds. And so he's, he's probably not like playing the workhorse role. So now it's like, is there a reason to put him on the field to come do the receiving stuff? And the answer might be no. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn on HN because it's like, you're getting this real discount on the draft capital, which I think we generally want to take, but what's, the upside compared to some of these guys once they do hit 
the landing spot nuts, which I probably someone in this group behind him does. Yeah. I'm with you. I think there's, it's like kind of a tough thing to explain, but like, even though a chain is kind of the RB four right now, I think his median outcome post draft is like RB seven or RB eight. Like a couple of these guys are in most scenarios. I moved them down. I moved into RB five. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Cause like you said, like, I don't know if a chain lands in like, Miami, yes, I'm excited about him because it's kind of like a wide open running back room. But like, if one of these bigger bodied guys lands in Miami, like it's much easier to project them to be a workhorse and they could jump a ton. Basically, my point being is like these type of passing down small backs, I don't think they have the chance of jumping a ton in ADP for some of these like bigger potential three down or at least goal line guys. So, um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough with him. Especially in this format, right? Like if Spears yeah. if Spears lands on the Bengals or something, that that's legitimately exciting. A Banacanda, good good pro day. Although people more and more people are saying it was the slowest four three forty of all time. That the the Twitter clip did not make it look as fast as it actually. Well, he was. ran two. He ran two. I think the first one was in the four fours, and the second one was supposed to be four three nine. Yeah. He, I saw about seems, 10 different times for him on Twitter and then I just gave up and I'm just like, I'll same, same for Quentin Johnston. I, I saw, I've seen everything from like that dude's too slow to be a first round pick to he's got the best RAS and you know, whoever. Right. Yeah. It's confusing. Let's move to, I hope, I hope, uh, I hope Kent Lee Platt is, is picking the right forties. Cause I, <laughs> I'm, I'm using those RAS scores, man. It's all, it's all right. the same. It's all standardized. That's what I've been using. Yeah. Um, quickly on the wide receiver stuff, I think like the top guys, it's actually kind of interesting how efficient this chart is now. Like it used to be, there's a lot of guys diverging from the the regression line. Now it's like draft capital is like directly correlated with ADP, which I, I think is kind of interesting, uh, minus a couple, uh, exceptions, but I do want to talk about again, this, like, um, outside of the top six guys, the, again, kind of similar dynamic to, to running back where we're kind of like throwing up our hands at wide receiver, I will say that uh, Tyler Scott has jumped quite a bit on this chart. I think there's, it's kind of been under the radar, but there's definitely buzz um, in draft circles that he's going to get drafted higher, uh, just evidenced by people consistently ranking him higher. So that was a good early call from, I think Amico was the first I, I saw tout him as just a guy who's going to go higher than people expect. Um, yeah, he, he's got higher projected draft capital than, than Marvin Mims, than Kayshawn Booty, than Cedric Tillman, Rasheed Rice. Uh, it's all in the same range, but. Scott's actually jumped those guys and pretty much no one is, is drafting him. So I took a couple uh, shares of him in my last couple of drafts, just, just based on that. Uh, but yeah, anything else to jump out to you guys on this wide receiver chart? Jaden really. Reed, Jaden Reed was a guy who's starting to get some buzz. So I can yep. see why if the NFL didn't change their opinion on him. Um Mims, he has moved I, up too because he was he was off this chart and now he's he's making it around 100. So it has been reflected in the data that he's getting more buzz and maybe he continues to trend up. We'll see. I I still I still like Mims. I I uh, okay. I also like Downs more than Hyatt. I think I've officially decided I don't care that Josh Downs weighs 170 pounds. The 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 drum beat around Josh Downs is like all good. Like all the all the mock drafters and people who are plugged into the NFL all seem to be pretty into Josh Downs. I ended up being like more bullish on downs in some ways than um, 
I guess this athletic subscription just expired. The, I was going to pull up the athletic because <laughs> I think he's he weighed in at the combat at 179, I think. So, because I he's listed at 171, I think pre combine, but he would, I'm, I'm nearly positive that he was 179 pounds of the combine, which is nice. But then looking at like the way he generated his yards, I got really nervous that he's like a, a 75% route participation slot wide receiver. So, I don't love Downs as a half point PPR pick where he's going. I think Hyatt at least Hyatt like probably is bad, but if he's not bad and he lands with a good quarterback, I, I like him more as a big play guy. That yeah. makes sense. Can I ask Davis? Do you know anything about Jonathan Mingo? He was Ole uh, he's old Miss guy. Yeah, yeah, I he he was a guy. I mean, I, I played him a little bit in college football DFS. It's like my it's like my only experience with him. He's like uh. He would sort of be like your arbitrage big body. Like if you're if you don't want to come into this draft away with a 170 pound guy, like Smith and Jigba, Addison, Flowers, Hyatt, Downs, Rice, Mims, Dell. These are they're all babies. They're just all right. they're just all such small little guys. So I guess Mingo, if there are you know eight teams, uh, eight eight teams left in the NFL. Um, who still want big body? Well, I don't know. You still want big body wide receivers? He feels decent, but I mean, you know, he's fourth year guy, never had a thousand yard season. Um, I don't even think he ever led them in receiving yards. Yeah, he he didn't. In fact, he uh, lost out to a transfer, a guy transferred from Mississippi State, and immediately mm-hmm. came in and outproduced him this last year. So I don't don't think anything like looks real spectacular. But he, you know, we we talked about this. I want to say two weeks ago when we did the show, like you're going to be on day two of the NFL draft and these teams are going to start taking guys you've never heard of. You know, it's, it's like so bizarre. It's like we nerd out about this stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, some wide receiver from Princeton just goes in the third round. So yeah, like, I was just, I was just going to bring up Andre. Yosibis. I'm not sure. I, I actually looked into him a little bit because I like guys who do other sports in college and then start playing football. Cause that basically just means you're a freak. And that's what he was. He was a, uh, he the, get how niche this is. He played junior varsity football at Princeton for his first season. Uh, Andre Andre Isabas, like that's how was he on how, like the sprint? Was it like a sprint football thing? Or no, they actually have a JV team. Yeah, huh. he he's a heptathlete, and he set he set some Whoa. NCAA record in the heptathlon. Um, so he seems like a. a I mean, no, there was a heptathlon. What, what heptathlon? I I had no heptathlon? idea. I, 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 this is all, this is all from like surface level research into this guy, but he, he, he's a little interesting to me. I mean, Prince well, apparently, so one Josh Downs real so. quick. Yeah. I, I, the athletic has him at 179, which I did confirm and everywhere else has 171. So there's a, so maybe the athletic is just wrong, which is what I was citing. Um, mm. That's like a big difference. Those eight pounds. I would love to know if he has those eight pounds or not. Uh, but I, the reason I brought up Mingo is because he does do one thing spectacular, and that is combine drills because he had a 39.5-inch vertical, 129-inch broad jump, 4-4-8-40, really strong 10-yard split at 220 pounds, 6-2. So, I mean, the the big athletic guy, get you know, I, what I've seen from his project draft capital is day three. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm not like inclined to be all that excited. But I, if he were a third round pick, he also has gigantic hands, by the way, 10 and uh, 10 inches, 3.75, 10.3, 10.3.75. Why can't I say that? 10.375 um, inches. And I watched a little bit of him, and it's like him like running with like a guy like inside. It's almost like he has so little separation that it's almost like he's wearing the defender, like a little baby pouch. You know what I mean? Like the little kangaroo pouch the dads have with the babies. So he's like the guy's like in front and then he just reaches behind and one hand and grabs the ball. It's pretty fun. I, I recommend checking him out. Kind yeah. of like a Mike Williams, but even less separation, even less separation, but like <laughs> maybe doesn't need it. He's, you know, he jumps high and he, he can one hand, one hand the ball very easily. So I, it's a real That's big problem. Cool. No, it's 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 not the, ideal. Like lack no, of separation. No, no, it's not bad, but those guys are like contested catches are such a meme, but like they're they're not yeah. good. But you don't really want them. No, you don't. You don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. Okay. Let's let's talk. Uh, let's talk stacks. Uh, a little here. I think not a ton is new. This is the the double stack. ADP averages. So the average ADP of quarterback and top two pass catchers across all teams. Um, Yeah, this is again, back to the Trey Lance stuff. The thing that jumps out, if you're comparing the stack price to the odds of the team winning the Super Bowl, San Francisco stands out as a really good bet just because their Super Bowl odds are crazy high. I, I don't understand it. So I'm not like totally going off that number, but the NFL market thinks they're going to be an awesome team and their double stack price is kind of cheap. So I get, especially as Lance falls more, um, that gets more and more interesting, even though Debo, Kittle, Ayuk are expensive. If the quarterback part of the stack is cheap uh, or if you want to go Purdy instead of Lance, um, that that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, I know we looked at these charts a lot. Not, not a ton of movement here. Anything else you guys wanted to hit on? from the the stack prices mm, no market's pretty equilibriumized right now yeah. to me one that i uh like a bit is the rams yep. because um the, obviously you, you take cup and then like and and the market has not cooled on cup right so if you think cup is having the type of season he needs to have to best Christian McCaffrey, who he goes ahead of sometimes. His ADP was fourth behind McCaffrey at three, but I saw him pl- go ahead of him plenty. And he's going against Tyreek Hill, you know, going above Tyreek Hill in like every draft. Um, if the, if he's going to have any chance of paying that off, Matthew Stafford is playing and, you know, he's healthy enough. So that means Matthew Stafford, I think, is like really underpriced. You know, he's a guy who doesn't have any job security issues, some health concerns for sure. But they're like, if he's healthy, he's playing all the games. Uh, and, you know, and you can get him really late in drafts. Uh, and then you tack on Tutu Atwell or Van Jefferson. And you, you play it like Allen Robinson doesn't exist. You play it like he's Kenny Galladay. Yeah. And no matter mm-hmm. what happens, he's not he's not going to be getting targets, which I think is the right way to go. Uh Higby's been a tough click for me because he is a cut candidate. Um, so I haven't really tacked him on there, but I, you know, what you're hearing from the Rams is like, 
they're saying this is a reset year for us. We're not like tanking though. We're we're going to be like in the mix, and then, but we're taking a year off from like fully pushing in and, and trying to to go for like go for broke to win a Super Bowl. So, you know, maybe that maybe that ultimately means a little bit more passing, you know. And and if they're not fully tearing it down, then I don't think we have to worry about you know Stafford not being there and and the, the Stafford retirement talk has seemed to die away. So yeah, yeah, I, I don't mind it. It's not. What I like I'm the like. I like the Rams one too. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you're taking Cup, I mean, what you you might as well just stack it up. Tutu Atwell, CLB. You love you love to yeah. see it. I don't have a ton of Cup because I've been just I was tie breaking Tyree Kill over him just based on like health, age, offense. So I don't have a ton of Cup. But when I did take Cup, um, I was like reaching on Stafford by like two rounds. I'm like he's already so cheap, like what's the point of not getting this stack? Like I already bet on cup. I think it's like almost, yeah, you just got to do it. I think if you, if you take cup, there's no point in not doing it. Um, other thing, only other thing I'll mention here is that I had been doing a lot before the drafts closed and maybe this is not super, well, I guess it's going to be relevant for super flex. So I'll say it um, drafting the Colts, uh, Texans and Panthers stacks with the quarterbacks that are expected to go there. Or even if you want to mix it up and say, Hey, I think Richardson's going to the Panthers and draft a Richardson Panther stack. I think that's fine too. But I think in terms of ownership, um, people are not going to be stacking up these rookie teams as much just because it's like there's uncertainty. Uh, so I think that's a little bit of leverage in the final weeks where I think like, you know, uh, an equivalently priced stack, like, Green Bay, you know, Christian Watson, Jordan Love, more people are going to be doing that stack than, you know, Bryce Young to Dalton Schultz or whatever, just ownership wise. So I think to get a little bit of leverage, stacking the rookies uh, gives a little bit of an edge there uh, from sort of a game game theory perspective. Um, yep. Yep. All right. <clears throat> Positional ADP. Um, yeah, not, not a ton to talk on here. I just want to quickly say running backs and wide receivers are both up slightly at the expense of mostly tight ends and quarterbacks, but not a ton of movement here. Same, same general story. If you're, you know, if you're new to drafting this year, you're going to walk into the draft room and see that quarterbacks prices are way up. Wide receiver prices are up a little bit and running back prices are way down. And also tight end prices are down a little bit. So that's sort of the, the draft landscape we're going to be working with um, at least to, to start 2023. Let's get into the favorite values uh, to wrap things up. Um, yeah. Again, we'll be tracking this as we go throughout the season and have a sort of a small, small wager on it. So uh, these are takes that we, we believe in and are, are putting money behind uh, Pat. Do you have a favorite, ADP value and let, let's stick with uh, one quarterback, you know, not getting into the super flex stuff yet. Yeah. We, we kind of touched on them briefly in the rookies. Um, but I think Israel Banacanda, um, it's a good one is going to be jumping up. And if you're in these slow drafts right now, uh, you know, like Pete, you know, and you've got just notifications flying in <laughs> that you're on the clock and it's, and it's, guess what? It's the, 16th round, I'd be taking him there. I moved, I said I moved A chain down in my rankings because I moved a Banacanda to RB4 in this class. Wow. I think, yeah, he's got 
He's got he's the most athletic running back in this class per RAS now. He has size, he's 216 pounds. He he is plenty capable as a receiver. He's got a higher yards per route run than Zach Charbonnet over his career. Um he is he had an awesome breakaway season last year. So you you saw that athleticism translate. Uh he he's he's big enough to basically be kind of the three down workhorse type guy that we're hoping we get out of Charbonnet. That we're hoping we get out of guys like Tank Bigsby, but I think he probably goes ahead of Bigsby in the draft now after that pro day. So, you know, to me, he's he's a pretty strong bet and you do the one thing you worry about with the Bandicam is they really only had one good season. Like he he didn't really break out at all until 2022. But he doesn't turn 21 years old until October. He's crazy, crazy young. So to have that kind of like massive breakout season as a 19 year old, you know, for for a bunch of those games, makes me feel like a lot better about yeah he started his career. He wasn't great in college when he was 17 years old. You know, oh no, I, I don't know that that's a big red flag when you think about it that way. So, um, I just. I just feel like if you're taking a chain in the 15th round over a band of Canada, like you're, you're definitely more likely to get a guy who goes day two. But I I think even as an early round four guy, I, I probably prefer a band of Canada as long as the landing spot is decent. So I don't know. I think around pick around the 15th round is when I would start to, he would start to be on my radar as potential pick. I would feel it out of where he's starting to go. He, the last time that I was in drafts, you know, you weren't always getting him in the 17th round. So I'd have absolutely no problem sort of saying 16th round, I'm earmarking for him right now. I like that one. Um, I, I think you are, you're eating some steam right now. I think you're cheating the game a little bit. I think you're, because I think you're about to. Yeah, yeah. Out. You can mark my, mark my ADP down a little higher than whatever. Cause my ADP, I, well, I am. to be I'm, fair, the ADP I got was from today. So. I, I'm it's also. Fair to I'm also. That, I'm but. just. I'm just teasing him. I'm just teasing. Him that, uh, <laughs> I am. I'm. Ju- I'm jumping on. A, a, you're a jumping on. Yeah, though. you're jumping on the steam. But that's part. Of, that's part of the game. I also. I'll add that. Um, in terms of like the cool running back name rankings that I'll put out, Abanacanda. Abanacanda. Imagine an announcer saying Abanacanda, ninety yards to the house. Abanacanda like, for six. It's. It's pretty good. It rolls also, off the yeah. tongue. Israel Abanacanda, fine. Izzy Abanacanda? Izzy, yep. Izzy, Izzy Abanacanda. You don't even have to, like, stop. It just, it, it's so, it's so good. Izzy Abanacanda. It just comes out like it's one <laughs> syllable. It's it's beautiful. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. You're going to draft someone named Sean Tucker ahead of Izzy Abanacanda? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? What Sean you Tucker doing? is a horrible running back name. Uh, it's really terrible. bad. Mine, mine, I, so, so, Pat just went young and exciting and fast. I'm going... Uh, I'm going, no, I'm going, uh, Trey McBride. Trey McBride is going to get pumped because Zach Wait, did you just switch it up? Were you about to go like Kareem Hunt or something? No, no. Oh. I, Trey McBride is young, but not exciting. Right, um, right. what's going to happen is Zach Ertz will either retire or like, I just, I just don't think Zach Ertz is playing football and that'll be the initial jump. And then there'll be another jump when people realize he's the only tight end on the roster and they don't have AJ Green to eat up seventy percent of the team snaps, and like McBride's just—I mean, could McBride lead the tight end position in snaps played 
this upcoming year? Like it's 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 in the range. There's there were a couple weeks where I didn't really, impression. I didn't really have a good one in a couple weeks, and I'm like, I'm angry that that I didn't pick McBride. This is a this is a really yeah. good one. That I don't understand why people have not seem to. You were refusing to draft Zach Ertz two years ago because he was dust, and now he's coming off a torn ACL, and his quarterback's coming off a torn ACL, and you're still drafting you get, him. You you got to keep that guy with an ADP. You got that's just a guy oh, who's got to have an ADP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Zach Ertz ADP was was one of the worst uh, out there in the entire tournament. Um, okay, I'll give I'll give mine. Uh, I'm tempted to say. Irv Smith, but since we already talked about him, I'll I'll give a different one. Uh, this is a wide receiver I've been drafting a lot. Um, I have been doing a lot of two early running back builds, um, so I'm often looking for some wide receivers late uh, in this tournament. So I've been taking Tyquan Thornton a lot mm. at pick. I think around pick 175. I can double check exactly where he is now. Got to get but, those juju stacks. You got to get the Juju, Taekwon, Mac Jones stacks to win all the money in week 17. <laughs> it's it's disgusting, but I I think, you know, if you're projecting it right now, Taekwon Thornton is going to play in two wide receiver sets. Yes, there's still some outs yeah. where Devontae Parker sticks around. They draft someone and maybe Thornton gets, gets pushed out. But I think in most scenarios, Thornton is playing those two wide receiver sets. He didn't have a super promising rookie year, but um, he has a ton of speed. Towards the end of the year, he had he played a little bit better, um, scored a touchdown that helped Pat win uh, two million dollars, and yeah, I think like we did like man, to see that. I don't believe in Belichick's like ability to evaluate wide receivers anymore, but I think they're gonna try to prove a point that the Thornton pick was decent and and at least give him a chance this year. So they have an offensive coordinator. Um, I, I am drafting the Patriot stacks just because they literally have an offensive coordinator and they did not have one last year. And that it's, is it's a as... good, it's, it's a really good starting point for an opinion to go from not having an offensive coordinator <laughs> to having one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the entire thesis. I like that um, one. I don't know how much, it's just a good pick. I don't know how much higher he's going to go, but I think he could yeah. like really pay off during the season so I, I applaud you for helping the people not trying to, to play the game you already banked some serious clv value so you're just you're just giving the people a good pick now exactly yeah if i wanted the easy clv value i think that irv, irv smith was the move yeah irv smith irv smith i'll, the, I'll, I'll help the people i think this is the better pick than irv smith because irv smith i mean what's what's he gonna do i'm probably not much so no, i think taekwon thornton no. i just i'm worried i'm worried that irv smith jr is the answer to this year's like guy who finished tight end seven with 180 points who I didn't take any of because he's not very fun. Is he the Urch Gerald? We've been looking for an Urch Gerald. No, he, he's way he is, too young. He's only 21, he's, right? I know he's he, young, but he, the injury, you're getting the injury. Discount. He is He is way too young. The The Urch Gerald thing is like if something, I mean, if something happens to Tyler Boyd, like Irv Smith Jr. is going to be like 95th overall probably. The reason I think he's he's like an acceptable Urch Gerald pick is that a big part of the Urch Gerald thesis is like guy we used to take high. We've shown yes. a willingness to take this Great. guy really high. And now we're like, but not this year. But not and, now. Yeah, not no, now. I'll, I'll give you the gro- I'll give you the Urch Gerald for this year. It's it's Austin Hooper on the Raiders. It's it's really, it's really gross. It's so gross. It's, it's the most disgusting pick you can make. But man, oh, God. <laughs> I Austin cannot believe Hooper. it. 
He's gonna do the T touch. Sam just look. I thought so. I, I hope you. I hope everyone's fan of the wire here. I was, you know, I was uh, the the Avon Barksdale crew, right? And I with my Arch yeah. Gerald take. I was king of the mountain, and Marlo over here just came and stole my heart. <laughs> it's over for me, Austin Hooper. I could never get that gross. Oh man. <laughs> oh, wow, that was really that was you dug deep for that one. I appreciated Ooh. that. That, yeah, it's it's disgusting. I I have one share of him and uh one of the most disgusting Jimmy G Jacoby Myers. Uh, Austin I might Hooper go send stacks. some rookie sixth round picks for Austin Hooper in a couple dynasty leagues where I got to shore up the tight end position right now. Dude, Foster, Foster Moreau's like retiring. Waller's gone. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Austin Hooper season. They got Gosh. Jesper Horstead. You know they use the tight end. They're- it's good. Isn't, it's, isn't the, it's isn't the thesis? Isn't the it's thesis for why? Pick. I hate it. I hate it so much. Like, aren't it's they? Uh, aren't they just going to use tight ends as blockers since all they have is slot wide receivers? Though they built the whole offense out of slot wide receivers. <laughs> this is actually a pet peeve of mine. That, um, like Mike Jasicki is often talked about playing out of the slot. You know, but he's no, not he playing plays out wide. Of... Yeah. He, well, he does play wide sometimes, but like. It's not that he goes over to that side of the formation and plays like Tyler Boyd. He just snaps. doesn't block. He just doesn't. He just breaks off from the the line and plays this. Yeah. It's like a four wide receiver set where he's he's still usually on the right side of the formation. So right. mm. um, anyway, so <laughs> I don't know why that set me off. Gesicki is the weird. He's the weird one where he like people talk about. Oh, this guy's just a pass. He actually isn't a tight end. Like if you look at his snaps, like he. Like I think he plays wide. Like Alan Lazard blocks more. He than thinks Mike he does too. He does. Yeah, he thinks he's a yeah. wide receiver. That's not I, well. What if Hunter, what Hunter if Henry would have been a one too? What if no, dude? What if Mike Gesicki has an all-time fuck you Miami Dolphins season for the like scores like twelve touchdowns for the Patriots? <laughs> I, I'm not that I would only say this two hours into a show, but that's sort of thing. That's the, the Mike Gesicki like ninth year breakout has actually sort of been ticking around in the back of my head. Wow. All right. I mean, there, there's Henry. a long history of tight ends crushing it in their second contracts. We got Jared Cook, we had Eric Ebron, um, and it's, probably some it's other guys. You, and like, <laughs> Like, no, but logically it makes sense because a lot of the times we talk about this all the time, drafting tight ends is hard and teams just kind of do it because they need tight ends and they value the athleticism. But remember, like none of the coaching staffs in Gesicki ever really fit. Like the Chan, Chan Gailey was like the all time, like I don't use tight ends. Like I don't throw to right. tight ends. Like, and then McDonald, um, McDaniel is like the all time, like you got to be able to block if you want to play. Like I need, right. I need Durham Smythe because I need a run blocker. And Gesicki, you're not you're not doing that. Whereas Belichick, sort of, I actually, oh, this is so this would be so obnoxious of him. I wonder if they're going to turn Hunter Henry into the blocker now. I bet they will. You can't turn Gesicki into the blocker. He you can't, can't do turn it. it. No. You, there's yeah. you, you would not do that. And I mean, the, honestly, the Patriots... number two number two for blocking duties is Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to put him in line. He's got the, he's got the speed of an average second tight end in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think who's faster, more. Juju or Pat Fryermuth? Fryermuth for sure. Fryermuth is oh, twenty two. No. He's for sure faster. Oh boy! All right.
put well, him up there. There you go. Hmm. Gesicki, Gesicki, that's what that's you do. Flip it. <laughs> you put Juju on the right that's side, have him block. Play tight end, put Gesicki uh, over on the left there. Amazing. We I'm going to need Underdog to change uh, Juju to have tight end eligibility to recoup any of the, the money on the teams where I drafted him. So I'm hoping. Um, I, I think happens. the Underdog should let us vote every year going forward. This year we have Taysom. But every year going forward, we should be able to choose a a non-tight, someone who's definitely not a tight end who gets <laughs> tight end eligibility. That would be a fun it. game. Like we do like a community poll, like underdog runs a, a runs a contest for like a week and the community gets to just randomly bestow some like, and you got to weigh like over 220 pounds or something. Yeah. That's got to be like, it's gotta, they have criteria. to do like weird. I think they have to meet certain criteria. Like they, for sure. They have, they've attempted at least one pass in their career. That that has to be a criteria. <laughs> yeah. They, they have to what like, tight ends do. cause that's what, that's what Taysom Hill does at tight end. Yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah. It has to be. They have to set criteria. Then there would be a pool of people who meet that criteria, and then we could vote on them. Cordell Patterson. I think he 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 could be tight end eligible. I would like. I, that. I'm like, how much Adam Thielen? Patterson would I draft? Adam Thielen should have. Tight Adam end Thielen. I mean, Adam Thielen should actually be, get it. Like, I just yeah, think he should. He should. It. Yeah, mm. it's time. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's how we landed. Perfect time to end the show. I think um, that's how we land it. That's how we end it. Uh, draft Austin Hooper. Um, someone at some point asked. Uh, they missed the last two hours and they wanted a summary. Uh, we all agreed that Adam <laughs> is a really good value. Draft a ton of Juju. Um, <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> draft a lot of Brock Purdy. All those things. But yeah, no, that was a good show, guys. Um, Pat, what's going on on Legendary Upside? I saw the or listened to the podcast with JJ. Everyone should should check that out. That was super interesting. But uh, yeah, what else is is on tap uh, for you? Yeah, launched the Legendary Upside podcast, which is you know just a regular. There's a I'm doing this premium podcast feed. This isn't that though. This is just like a regular podcast. It's available everywhere, um, and uh, also on YouTube. So uh, check that out. I had JJ Zacharyson on. We talked through the rookie class in a lot of detail around the running back and wide receiver positions, especially I'm going to be doing another episode next week with Travis may of Mojo. And we're going to be talking the rookie class as well, probably a bit more on the quarterbacks and tight ends, although I'm sure we'll touch on wide receivers and running backs to some extent as well. Um, and yeah, still doing the 30 day free trial at legendary upside. So uh, go check that out. You can uh, sign up and there's, there's no risk. And if you sign up for the yearly version, I will, tack on a $30 discount. Uh, so if you decide to keep it after the trial, you'll uh, only pay $69 for the year. Beautiful. Awesome. Good stuff, Davis. I, I listened to your podcast with, uh, with Gretch this morning. Uh, anything else you got, you got coming up on sports grid or other places? No, I think, I think Pete and I are going to do a show next week where we, cause Pete and I were friends, but we want to make it all content. So we just, we have to record our conversations so I think we're just gonna do our our like uh, quarterly catch up on how each other's lives are doing next week on on Peter's YouTube. So you guys can look out for that. I appreciate that you guys do that though. I always like this. Yeah, those are nice. It's good. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna ask him about being a dad. We're gonna find out how that's going for him. It'll be it'll be great. great. Awesome. And yeah, for me, uh, obviously we'll be back with ADB chasing next friday tbd what we'll look at maybe Superflex adp uh we'll, we'll talk about that offline and have, have something for you guys next week um i'll also be hopping on uh leone's establish the edge podcast on wednesday i've been working on some research around sort of positional volatility 
uh, at running back and wide receiver. So uh, we'll hopefully have an article out before then, but at least uh, talking through some research there. Um, but yeah, besides that, uh, thanks everyone for joining us. We will see you next week.